no tarmac this week. Uh, nope. We're gonna get enough coaching talk with with this uh, Tom segment. So you don't yeah. need you don't need a tarmac. I'm about to talk about coaches for ten minutes. Exactly. Welcome, folks. Go get them. Take the points. College football podcast. I'm 42 years old. For let's say 37 years old, I've been watching college football and NFL. My favorite two teams are Penn State and the Buffalo Bills. I've experienced a lot in my football watching career. Uh, Penn State winning two national championships when I was too young to witness or enjoy them, and then getting screwed in the 94 season, then being uh, largely irrelevant or being so, so close many years. Obviously, what happened the last 10 years, but I still follow them. And I sat down to watch the Michigan game, I had to be uh, at my mother-in-law's house that we're cleaning out, so I brought my own TV to the house, brought my own Roku stick just to set it up, just to watch this game. And what I witnessed was just a, a cold-blooded murder. Penn State just having no offense whatsoever and just getting stomped by Michigan. I mean, their defense was great and kept them in it, but just a, an abomination. And uh, I'm used to that with James Franklin going, what, 4-16 and 16 against top 10 teams, so... No shock there. I went about my business. Sunday, I relaxed. Monday, of course, they fired Mike Yurkic. Yurkic, who who knows? Doesn't matter anyway. So he's out. And so I think to myself, well, that sucks. But at least I've got my beloved Buffalo Bills on a Monday night playing the dog shit Denver Broncos and washed up Russell Wilson. So at least we'll get out of this weekend with a nice win. And what happens? Uh... The JV defense that they're playing actually performs pretty good and keeps them in the game. And uh, Josh Allen and the offense decide to turn it over like 14 times and uh, also put 12 men on the field on the kick that should have won the game. And as a Bills fan, you know, four Super Bowls, the Music City forward lateral, that Cowboys Monday night game, that Patriots Monday night game. I'm used to big time Bills games ending in disappointment. So again, not totally unfamiliar, but just so hard watching this allegedly great offense just get uh, mangled and fall apart in front of us. And then what happens the next day? Fire Ken Dorsey. So I got to say in my 35-ish years of watching football, this is probably the same, the, the only time in my life and probably the only time ever in my life both of my teams fire the offensive coordinator within a span of two days. So that's a new one for me, fellas. Um, what I want to talk about to start the show is head coaches and when a head coach deserves to be fired and not be fired. I have uh, differing opinions on James Franklin and uh, Sean McDermott, even though they basically have done the same thing. My feeling is such that Franklin should stay and try to rebound with a new offensive coordinator and, you know, be given at least another year, another couple years. Uh, and McDermott should be fired immediately. And, uh, you know, the reason I find this interesting and I want to talk about it with you guys is like, it's the difference between college and pro and the difference between like, what is actually a head coach's fault uh, or what is their fault and something you hope can be fixed or like what is a fireable offense. So I got more to add 
But uh, let me turn it over to uh, Ryan, who's also a massive Bills fan, because I know you want to chime in on this. So what are your thoughts on the Bills and McDermott? And, you know, feel free to weigh in on Franklin or uh, Jimbo or Andy Alvaros, whatever his name is. Like, how do you know it's time for the coach to go? All right, Tom, hang on. Let me, I'm going to channel my inner James Hatfield here. Hang on. Will Tom kill them all? That's my opinion, Tom. Let and let Saban sort them out. Just, just get rid of them all. Just if you if you're wondering, should we fire our coach? That means you should fire your coach. That is always the answer. Just these idiots all just recycle and carousel around from job to job, anyways. Just find someone younger and better. So I've had many conversations with friends and my brothers who are both like Penn state and the bills too. And like, here's, here's where I come down and why I think it's different. First off, you got to understand the difference between college and NFL In the NFL, everyone's allegedly equal. And you've got a guy like Josh Allen in his prime and you need to win now. And it doesn't matter to me that Sean McDermott brought them back from 20 years of being, you know, obscurity you know, I'll, I'll always admire him for being the guy who kind of took the Bills back to being in their glory. But it's a business, and you have to win now. And an NFL job is going to attract good talent, no matter where you are, even if you're in Buffalo. Penn State, I feel the opposite. I look around the landscape at who's available or who might become available in the next few weeks. I don't see a guy better than James Franklin. And I think um, it's hard to do this as a football fan, but I think as a Penn State fan, especially, you know, what, 10 years after the Paterno thing, I think I recognize that Penn State, like, this might be the ceiling right now, is 10-2, and beating all, easily beating all the bad teams, and, you know, having a good defense against Ohio State and Michigan, but ultimately coming up short against teams that are, say, ranked top five. If you tell me that Penn State's better than everybody except the top five teams in the country, and they've pretty much been that way for the last like seven years, with the one exception of the COVID year, you know, that might be as good as it gets right now. And then every eight years or so, they're going to pop into the top three or have a guy like Saquon or uh, Trace McSorley who's going to maybe get them to win one of those games. It sucks, but I fear that Penn State could just as easily pull a Tennessee or a Nebraska and go hire someone else and go down to seven and five. And I don't see anybody else who's like that good, who's worth replacing Franklin this year. And so that's where I differ. I'm not saying that Franklin's been awesome. He's made, he's done really good recruiting, especially on the defense. His recruiting on key offensive positions, I think has sucked, especially wide receiver. I think he's a bad in-game manager and makes very bad decisions, much like McDermott, but I don't see how it gets better this year. I don't see like what you could do, who you could hire the Kansas guy. I mean, that's your best option. And even that's a crapshoot that that'll be as good. So, uh, Dan, once you uh, come into this conversation, you, you, uh, were a Penn state fan growing up and I don't think you care about them anymore now that you're a West coast elitist, but, uh, you know, you're an NFL fan too. You're a Pittsburgh fan. They were calling for firings earlier in the year, and they've turned it around. So, you know, what what makes somebody ready to be fired? 
this might be an overly simple answer, but I feel like there's two types of coaches in all of sports. I feel like there's coaches who can maximize um, players who aren't like performing to their optimal level or elite and get a program from being terrible to acceptable. And then there's coaches to take teams from the middle of the road to a championship. And you actually see this in the NBA a lot where there's coaches who are good with working with young kids and getting teams from being terrible to being respectable, but can't put them over the top happened here in Phoenix recently with uh, Monty Williams. Um, now he's on the Pistons to do the same thing. <clears throat> I think both McDermott and Franklin should both be fired because they both of the, because they each took a program that was in shambles. Um, Penn State, you know, scandal, Sandusky, all that. And the Bills have just been a total train wreck for, well, 15 years or something like that, if not more, I don't know. Um, and they did a great job making them respectable and entertaining. But I think the window of opportunity for each of them has come to an end. Uh, Franklin, it's the same story every year. Like these, these Penn State teams are clearly not as good as Michigan or Ohio State. And that's what everybody wants is wins over them. Um, so I think they got to make a move for a guy who can potentially um, make them compete with those two teams. If that happens, then good for Penn State. But there's a chance it ends up horribly and they go to a lower level and they turn into that six and six, seven and five team. But this is the um, risk that, that you have to take. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating in sports than being a good team, but not a championship team. And it's painful as a fan to have hopes and expectations. Like it's easier to know that your team has no chance to winning the title than to actually think it year in and year out only to get let down. And the same thing for the bills. Um, it feels like they peaked two or three years ago and they're not the same team. And, you know, I, I just think it's time for a change. I mean, you're seeing Zach Moss and Singletary uh, put up great numbers on other teams, and uh, that's inexcusable. I mean, they're putting it up on the Colts and Texans. They're putting up big numbers. They're not doing it on the Chiefs and Eagles. So clearly there's a coaching uh, snafu there. And of course, I mean, I mean, a lot of this falls on Ken Dorsey and him taking over for Brian Dable, but it's time for a change for both of them. They've, they've – They've each had a chance to win and they've all done or they've each done great jobs and made the teams fun and relevant, but both fan bases want more. So it's time to roll the dice and maybe you win a title and maybe you finish 500, but it's worth the risk. I think both these coaches actually have one really interesting thing in common is both of these guys are insane micromanagers every aspect of their programs they micromanage and when you just spread yourself so thin trying to do everything you just end up doing nothing well like you know what i mean like what what's the i can't to screw up the saying but it's like you know um what is it good at good at many things master of none that type of thing yeah jack of all trades master of none yeah there it is. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's what I kind of see both of those guys as. Um, and that's what you need to build a program is you need to have your hands in every single thing and making sure that everything gets together the same way, same vision. 
But once you've established that, if you still micromanage and you can't designate and, and adapt in advance, then it's time to go. Like you're just, you're being over, overbearing now. All right. Well, thank you for crushing my hopes on a Wednesday night. You too. Moving along, but not quite. Uh, which category of coach does Jimbo Fisher fit into, Dan? He falls into the coach who has won a national title and, in theory, a national championship coach who can take highly ranked recruits and take them to the promised land. It didn't work out, and that's the risk that you take with these create with these coaches. I mean. A&M went for a national title. Instead, they fucked up and they got a 500 team. And that that's the risk you take. And that could happen easily to both the Bills or the uh, or, or Penn State. But um, it's it, it's a risk they had to take. I mean, A&M has put so many people in the NFL and high draft picks and low ranking draft picks, of, you know, all over the place. Miles Garrett's going to win NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, a chain's going to win rookie of the year. Well, no, actually he's not uh, CJ shroud is now. Um, but you know, the Luke Jokels, the Mike Evans, I mean, loaded with talent and, uh, it was worth a chance because they brought in a guy who won a national title in Florida state, but it didn't work out. So you fire him and you move on. It'd be really interesting to see who takes that job. Um, I have no idea, but, uh, I guess we'll find out here. I'm torn on that. I've heard, you know, Kalen DeBoer and other guys like that. And I, I wonder what, I wonder how guys like that who are going to be the hottest prospects in a year or two actually view A&M. Like, is that an elite opportunity? They've got the resources, but um, I don't feel like they're on the level of Alabama or Texas, or et cetera, when it comes to being an attractive job. No. And it's a, it's a super hard job. I mean, you're playing not only in the SEC, but you're playing really close to LSU. So you're recruiting in that same uh, couple hundred mile radius mostly. And um, it's just a really, really tough job. You're competing against both Texas, who's going to be in the SEC now mm-hmm. and LSU are your two neighbors and you're right in the middle. Um, yeah. You it, can, I mean, you can even throw like TCU tough. into that mix. I mean, there's so many yeah. teams in that yeah. Not general good. area. All right. Very well, hard job. Well, it's uh, been a crazy week, and uh, farewell to Jimbo. We really thought Dino was next on the chopping block, but uh, he came up with a big wing and win in Yankee Stadium. See, we should have known. We were talking about that last week, and we um, didn't really talk about or underestimated the effect of playing at the home of the Pinstripe Bowl for Syracuse, where I believe they are undefeated, and I have frozen my ass off watching them there. All right. I say we get into the line, Stan. And uh, anything else we need to talk about will come naturally through that. So what do we got this week? All right, let's go right to Friday night, Colorado at Washington State. Both teams were early season uh, Cinderella's. Both have imploded mightily, both four and six, both one and six in conference. Washington State at home, minus four, total 62 and a half. I'll make this short and sweet. Can I I jump in first? Because... We yes, all know about Colorado. I'm an East Coast guy. You guys are the West Coast experts. Everybody knows about Colorado and has been following them, but I'm curious on your take on Washington State and where they fell off because I haven't really paid that much attention to them. Injuries and hard schedule. I mean, the Pac-12 is extremely hard. I mean, 
because um, Arizona turned out to be actually a really good team, um, that screwed up some people. And then Stanford is good for like 40 points every third week. And then Cal, Cal's somehow been scored, right. yeah. Cal can score 50 at any time. It's, it's just an impossible conference. So these teams are both undersized on the offensive and defensive line. And they ran into teams that were more talented than them. Um, it's nothing to do with the internal strife or anything. It's just they just don't have the players. They may have the quarterbacks and a couple of skill players, but they have no linemen on either side of the ball. So that gets me to my pick in this game. I mean, this is really easy. Just bet the over. Uh, I don't see anybody stopping anybody. No one has any sort of defense. Both teams, in theory, have to win out to make a bowl game. Neither will. Colorado has Washington State and then Utah. Washington State has Colorado, then Washington. But that at least is the carrot dangling in front of them. That's 31 points each. That's uh, seven and a half points a quarter each. Go ahead and fire the over on that. Ryan, anything to add? No, that's that's exactly the play, the over. This is past Tom's bedtime, so let's move to Saturday. Okay. 10 a.m. Mountain Time now here in Arizona. Uh, noon Eastern. Rutgers at Penn State. Nice to see James Franklin on Twitter early Sunday morning being like, one and no mentality, we're on to Rutgers. Oh. I'm sure the fan base we, literally uh, threw up in their I, mouth a little I, bit. Yes, I don't want to keep getting back to this. All this, I could spend the whole episode on this, but like this is the one thing that drives me nuts about Franklin and McDermott. Every one of these losses that's just crushing for the fans where their hopes are up and it's lost and we thought we had a chance or there's some huge mismanagement. They do the post-game press conference. Somebody asks a question like, what do you think of the game? And they're just like, oh, that's a tough one, but we'll learn from it. <laughs> and meanwhile, especially McDermott's done this. Cliches only. Oh, McDermott's done only. this like six times. Speak. We got to learn from this. We got to get better. We got to learn from this. We got to get better. And then, you know, the second reporter will be like, well, this is the sixth time this year. It doesn't seem like you've learned from it. And then they'll be like, fuck you. Get this guy out of here. How dare you question our toughness? It's like, hey, man, can you just acknowledge that uh, this sucks and like what you're doing is bad? Josh Allen, actually, for the first time this week was like, "Uh, yeah, this sucks. And we did bad. I was like, thank you. Finally. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what game are we yeah. talking about? So, oh, Rutgers, yeah, Rutgers. Do you guys know Saquon originally committed to Rutgers? That would have been no. interesting. Yeah, very briefly before he flipped to Penn State. Um, Rutgers, Penn State, Penn State minus 20 and a half, total 41 and a half. Tom, what's going to happen in this game? I know you, <laughs> you, 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 we I'm all sure know you the, can exactly, exactly tell me what's going to happen. We all know the answer to this. First off, again, Funniest meme I saw this week was James Franklin and the words just said, y'all got any more of them easy teams. And so that one made me laugh. And here they are Rutgers, the uh, fourth best team in the big 10 East who just got whipped by Iowa. So if a uh, offensive uh, drought having team like Iowa can beat them 22, nothing, then Penn state, AKA the good Iowa should win this about 41 to three. So it's not Michigan. It's not Ohio State. Expect a blowout. Ryan, thoughts on this exciting game? Pass. That's the correct answer. All right. Well, okay, Ryan, I'm going to send this one to you. Also at the same time, SMU at Memphis. 
Outstanding game. SMU minus eight and a half on the road. No respect to Memphis. Total 66 and a half. Winner of this game gets a, a place in the Conference USA title game, FYI. I did break down scenarios. If we had a longer episode, I was going to go through all the hypotheticals, but we will. I'll, I'll bring them up as they come. Anyway, this is a very important game. Uh, SMU has been scoring a ton of points. I've actually watched them a lot because they've been on midweek. Um, they got a bunch of great backs, and their quarterback's pretty standard. It looks like Tanner Mordecai clearly was a system quarterback because he's no good at Wisconsin. Anyway, uh, Ryan, eight and a half, 66 and a half. I have a feeling on what these two picks are going to be, but I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Actually, Dan, it's going to be three picks because here's the scenario. It happens almost every big Memphis game. So what we're going to do, folks, is first of all, the overs in lock. Everyone knows the overs, the pl- a big, big play in this game. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take Memphis in the first half on this game. Then we're going to take SMU on the money line because this is what Memphis does. Memphis gets up, they get up big early, and then they just sit back and let teams come back and take the lead, and then they have to come back at the end. So you could take Memphis with the points if you want. That's that's fine. But I think the fun play is to take Memphis first half money line, SMU game money line, and then fire overs. As many overs as you can get. What do you think, guys? Is it too aggressive? No. I, I, no. You've been on I, this all year, and uh, we've only come around more recently, and America has not yet come around. So, yeah. Memphis bandwagon overs. Okay. Um, okay. We're now on to a noon start time here on Mountain Time, and I just want to point this one out to everybody. Hawaii at Wyoming. Noon. Late November. Wyoming minus 13, total 45 and a half. Hawaii sitting at four and seven, no chance of making a bowl game. There is no chance Hawaii shows up for this game whatsoever. Projected temperature at kickoff in Laramie is 32 degrees, which is generous. It's a noon start mountain time, which is like the weirdest body clock of all time. That's like what, a 6 a.m. Hawaii start? 9 a.m. Yeah. Uh, uh, 3 hours Three hours behind Mount West Coast, but then Mountain Time is one more hour, four hours. So, anyway, totals 45 and a half. Nobody's scoring in this game. This smells like 17-3 to me. We don't need to talk about this. Just go ahead and bet the under. Dan, right. we do need to talk about this because this was actually my favorite bet of the week. This is oh, the wow. Wy- Wyoming minus 13. Wyoming's actually pretty good. Um, I like Wyoming. Hawaii, like you said, they are not going to show up for this game whatsoever. I love this game. This is my play of the week, Wyoming minus 13. I also love this bet for all the reasons you specified, Dan. It's my second favorite bet of the week. We'll get to my first later. Me too. Um, Okay, moving on. 22nd ranked Utah travels to 17th ranked Arizona. Holy fuck. Arizona minus one total 44 and a half. I like how the Pac-12 staggered all the games this weekend and left uh, Washington, Oregon State to be the big one at the end. 
Okay, let me just run through this Arizona schedule real quick. They beat NAU. They lose at Mississippi State by seven. Okay, beat UTEP, beat Stanford, lose to Washington by seven, lose in triple overtime to USC by two, beat Washington State in a blowout, beat Oregon State, beat UCLA, beat Colorado. They're like really close to having only one loss and or undefeated and if they cut a couple breaks, but unbelievable job by uh, Arizona this year. Just incredible. Anyway, they're at home against Utah. Um, Ryan, why don't you take this one? Dan, I'm glad you spent a a minute there praising Arizona because I'm going to go ahead and tell you that the lock is Utah as an underdog. Kyle Whittingham as an underdog will not screw this up. I love Utah in this spot. Utah's not losing two games in a row. They're not. How many times have they lost two games in a row? Like, I just can't see that being the case. So as great as Arizona's season has been, they know they're going to get to close the season with a win against ASU as ASU blows. So this is no big deal. They're going to get finish the year eight and four. And that is amazing. And they're going to win their bowl game more than likely too. So nine wins. Fantastic. But you're not going to beat Utah in the spot. You're just not. Z any thoughts on this West coast gem? No, except that I remember a few weeks ago us coming on this podcast and starting by complaining about Arizona, not going for two to beat USC because we said your season's not going to matter anyway, so just try to go for the win. And look where we are. We were wrong. I mean, we were right about that game, but yeah, we're right. we were we're wrong right. with our premonition that it wouldn't matter in the end. So congrats to Arizona. I don't have a pick. I don't know anything about Arizona at all. Utah, I always lean Utah in the West because, uh, you know, they're tough. Mm-hmm. Um, hypothetical, over under head coaches in this game 0.5 will be on this team next year. I feel like you think at least one. Okay. I feel like like Whittingham's never going to leave. One and a half. We should have made it one and a half. A&M should call him up. Honestly, he'd be perfect for for them. There's like five Pac-12 coaches that should get a call in the off season. Arizona, I mean, I know he's new, but Arizona's coach should get a call from someone. Um, UCLA. Yeah, the, that, that would be a nice on one. The street is, is he's going to bail for UCLA. They're going to throw him like $80 million to go uh, coach there. That's what I'm, I'm hearing on local radio, too. So I don't know. We could be – we'll find out. Well, because of the, the Arizona accounting snafu, we're going to call that, where they just, they just lost like $400 million – they're like, oh, we decimal, ah, something happened. And so they're like, you know what we could do? What if we just sold our athletic department to like a company? And we'll be like the Arizona Googles and just let Google own the center sports teams. That was an actual like conversation they had. Morons. Things are going great out something. there. You guys are going to have a Google city, right? Why not a Google football team? Um, I like Arizona to win this game for what it's worth. 
Uh, as, can I say, as, as a Big Ten guy, after seeing the career of Mel Tucker, even before this year and all the scandal, scandal aside, I think teams need to be careful about giving a big money contract to a guy who's been good for one season or half a season. As good as Arizona looks and as uh, promising really? as their coach seems. Yeah. I, I feel like you have to have two years of good performance before you get that big contract. Ryan? Que- question, gentlemen. Could Kyle Whittingham be in the college football four-team playoff at Penn State? I'd take him in a heartbeat. See, this is part of the reason I say don't fire yeah. Franklin because I don't see anyone yes. they can realistically get that's better. If you told me him. you could have Kyle Whittingham, nice to know you. Little, yeah, bye-bye, little game, James. He's an incredible X's and O's guy. Imagine what he would do with some real uh, high-end talent out of high school instead of building players up to be drafted. It's a no-brainer. He's, he's a top three coach in the country. And uh, anyone should be lucky to have him. Okay, let's move on here. Georgia travels to Tennessee. Georgia waxed Old Miss last week. Tennessee lost the Fraud Bowl, which is good for them because they're not a fraud. They're 18th where they should be. So actually, that's a victory in a weird way. Uh, Georgia minus 10, total 58 and a half. Joe Milton, Georgia, Heupel. 110,000 players or whatever. Well, maybe players too. college football teams are big, <laughs> but fans. Um, Tom thoughts on this game, Georgia minus 10, 58 and a half. Yeah. Obviously don't bet against Georgia, but I think this one's going to be a little tougher than it was last week for Georgia at home. They're going on the road to this huge stadium and Tennessee has players. It, you know, they might not have the quarterback or they're not looking great, but I don't think it's going to be quite so easy, but if it, if you're telling me it's Georgia minus 10, I've got to keep rolling with Georgia and my new Heisman favorite, Carson Beck. Ryan. I think Georgia doubles them up. Um, yeah, I just think they smack them here. This could be like 41-20. Sounds about right. You're probably uh, right. Um I'm sure in the back of Heupel's mind, he's like, I have a chance to meet Alabama and Georgia at home two years in a row. And if I do that, they're going to give me a lifetime deal and build a statue tomorrow up front. Um, But I just can't take Joe Milton against Georgia. I can't do it. So um, I'll probably actually wager the over in this game. I think both teams will score. I think Georgia can score in the 40s. And Tennessee will find a way to score 23 or something like that. So. I think 58 and a half sounds a little low. This game's in the 60s or 70s. All right. I'll tell you a game that will not be in the 60s or 70s. Illinois at Iowa. Okay. Big game here. Iowa minus three, total 30 and a half. Tom wagered the over last week and was a strong loser with that pick. Uh, I'd like to hear your apology and pick for this game. Well, the apology for sure. I mean, I fucked that one up. They won by 22 points and they couldn't cover a 27 point spread. So it's just one of them things. But, you know, I never should have doubted the prowess of Iowa to find different ways to get the under, Dan. They can do it 9-3. They can do it 22-0. You know, great teams 
Sometimes you got to get that under in different ways. Sometimes you got to get it with offense, sometimes with defense, and that's what great teams do. So I won't go against Iowa again. This one's a mega under. What's the total on this one? 30 and a half. Now, what I would like to know is how Iowa's totals kept going down to the point where they had like three of the lowest totals ever, and it finally got to a record all-time low of 27 and a half, and they still went under, and now they're playing Illinois, and somehow Vegas has put the total higher, back up above 30. This is going in the wrong direction. I'm going to look for an alt line around 24. I'm going to look for a nice uh, 17 to 6 Iowa win. Ryan, thoughts? Under. <laughs> well said. Um, I'm rooting for Iowa in this game because there's a bowl game here in Phoenix every year at Chase Field, and I've been unable to go due to how bad it is. And Illinois is 5-5, five and five, and I need them to fucking lose their last two games so that they will be crossed off the potential bowl teams. Cause if they go six and six, you bet your ass with all the Chicago people and route 66 nonsense goes on in Phoenix, that these dickheads will be one of the two people or teams in this game. And I will not be able to go to it for like the 10th year in a row. Like I have instant tickets for this game. No problem, but I'm not going if it's like, Illinois against Iowa State. I'm going to kill myself. So I'm waiting for one of these years for it to be good. Go Hawkeyes. I'm laying the three. Who Dan, who are the seven and five, six and six teams this year that you would actually want to see? Kansas? That's a good point. Uh, no one from the big or uh, no one. Yes, Kansas is correct. Um, no one. Although like there's a chance they'll have no head coach. There's a very good chance they'll have no head There's coach. Strong, for that game. strong to quite strong, strong chance. Um, for the Big Ten, because okay, it's a Big Ten, Big Twelve game, so we're looking at potential. It's gonna be Rutgers, Maryland, no, Northwestern, Nebraska, no, no. Wisconsin, Illinois, no, or no, Minnesota. No. It's all bad. It's so bad. Yeah, I guess, it's, you know, the thing about the Big Ten is that um, you know what it's they're be. not good this year. Like, the Big Ten is really, really bad aside from the top three, and the rest of the teams are unwatchable. Prediction of the week, it's going to be Kansas-Nebraska. It'll be like some sort of Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll try to war. They'll try to um, frame mm-hmm. it as like an 80s, 90s throwback type yeah, thing. I, that's, the the ultimate rivalry. And then it'll be like... It's the worst game. Yeah. Kind of how they try uh, to make like SU versus Colgate a rivalry. It's like, that doesn't work now. No, it's stupid. Okay, uh, let's move on here. We have many more games to talk about. And I I have a couple of rants coming up here. I've been waiting. Mm -hmm. Sam Hartman revenge game. Wake Forest at Notre Dame. Notre Dame minus 24 and a half. 46 and a half. Sam Hartman, big numbers this year with 18 touchdowns, seven picks through 10 games. Very exciting. Um, will they cover the 24 and a half this week, Tom? I, I'm surprised at how he's, I guess you would call it, underperformed this year. I also don't view this as a re- revenge game because he's a wake legend and he kind of left as a grad student. He left um, amicably, amicably, whatever you call it, conscious uncoupling of him and wake to go to Notre Dame. So I think they'll get the win, but 25 seems like too much. I'll, I'll take Notre Dame by about 18 in this game. 
Ryan, any thoughts on this piece of shit game? Lay it. Yeah, I think so too. Um, all right, North Carolina at Clemson. This was supposed to be the uh, the class of the ACC. Turns out these teams have six losses, a couple complete head scratchers. Clemson at home, minus six and a half, total 58 and a half. This could be the your opinion is wrong game. It is not. I got a better one for you coming up in a little bit. Um, Gene Chiggins, Drake May, Will Shipley. I know he's out now. Good. Uh, Maffa, uh, <laughs> Cade Klubnik. Dabo, Death Valley. I have no idea. Tom, ACC, go ahead. Six and a half, 58 and a half. Yeah, two things. One, Clemson's looked pretty good the last few weeks, and uh, UNC has been, they're like a fun train wreck, but a train wreck nonetheless. I mean, they it took a magical overtime play to beat Duke, and uh, they're just, they're, Classic Mac Brown, classic North Carolina, all the talent in the world, seven and five finish. So I'm going to take Clemson. Also, the rumor I've heard um, that Dabo is uh, getting unhappy with Clemson and might be in the mix for Texas A&M. And what was funny, Dabo wore this ridiculous like military week coaching uniform last. It was like it was, it was so, so much bad. camo, and uh, it. A lot of people looked at that and was like, oh, he knew. He was getting ready for to go down to that military school. So if he you hear it really well there, if uh, Dabo wins this game, covers the spread, and then he starts talking about the troops afterwards, you know what's coming. Ryan, pick, pick this game. North Carolina plays at the level of their competition every week. No matter who they play, this is just what they do. So with that being said, getting six and a half points is a lot of points in college football. I'm going to take the points in this game. That's a pretty good angle there. I wish I could get North Carolina in seven and a half. I think it might be even worth buying that up at like minus 135. Um, feels like Clemson's win this game 31-24 somehow. And it's like, but you're, it's, it's impossible. All right. We have another impossible game. Also not the your opinion is wrong game. UCLA at USC. This is all fucked up. USC minus six and a half at home. Total 65 and a half. USC's defense played a little bit improved without uh, Mr. Grinch around last week against Oregon. Uh, UCLA is uh, not good or talented, and Chip Kelly apparently is getting fired after this game. Uh, it's already been kind of announced. Uh, it's very strange. Um, this is a weird game. UCLA, allegedly good defense. USC, great offense. USC, no defense. UCLA, no offense. California's a LA battle. I'm confused. Ryan, I need some help. Uh, this is an interesting one. I think it comes down to two things. One is the quarterback play is obvious in this game. That This is one of the biggest gaps in talent that you'll see between two power programs um, as far as the quarterback position. That should favor USC. They're at home. They fired Grinch. 
why is this only six and a half? Is this the Chip Kelly send-off game? The team is actually likes Chip. They didn't want Chip fired, and they're going to play hard as hell for Chip. That's where my head keeps going. Everything tells me USC should win this game by 20-plus, but Vegas is telling me that there's something fishy, and that's where my head goes. They're going to play hard for Chip and give him the send-off I kind of, I kind of like UCLA with the points in this. I kind of do. Z, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I echo what Ryan said. Um, everything in me says that it's going to be a, you know, farewell to our coach, hard performance. So I'm going to stay away. But the reason I would not pick USC is because of that. So I would say stay away or take the points. I like USC in this game. Um, is there like, all right, if you compare like USC and LSU, like are aren't they the same team? I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but both have yeah, pretty, incredible pretty quarterbacks, no defense. They're all over the place with their performances. One has three losses, one has four. It feels like they're pretty much the same team. Um, fraudulent, I think you, fraudulent big time coaches. Yeah, like LSU can can play against Georgia or Bama or anybody and play them close, or they can totally screw up another game. Same thing with USC. Like they can play Washington uh, close at home. Uh, Oregon played well last week, um, but they only scored like thirty-seven points or something. You know, I mean, USC covered last week. You know what both um, of those teams really have in common? Sorry to interrupt, but they have quarterbacks quarterbacks who um, have to do too much in order for their team to win much like the aforementioned Josh Allen. They've, they've just got quarterbacks who take on too much, who are asked to do too much, who are great, but who need more supporting cast help, not only from the defense, but even from guys on the offense, Caleb Williams, especially it's almost like he's too good. And um, guys are on his offense are not working as hard as they need to, to help him out. It's like, Oh, well, Caleb's got it. Jaden's got it. But um, I, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like the rest of their team needs to step up, not to their level, but just like see these guys doing these dynamic Heisman-esque seasons and performances and try to meet them in the middle and step up a little bit. I like it. Okay, let's move on here. Uh, Oregon at Arizona State. Oregon minus 23.5, total 54.5. Okay. I don't care about this game, but I got to talk about two things. One, Bo Nix being Heisman frontrunner is totally ridiculous. Bo Nix, <clears throat> if you look at the stats of Penix and um, LSU's quarterback Daniels and even Caleb Williams, Bo Nix completes only 35% of his passes past 10 yards downfield. Penix is at 59% and Daniels is at 65%. They actually throw the football. He throws screen passes and quick slants and lays and allows his playmakers to run in space. Oregon really hasn't played anybody. Um, they have one loss. It's totally ridiculous that he's a minus favorite to win the Heisman at this point. And I cannot wait for the Pac-12 title game to uh, end his campaign. And if he does make the playoffs, I'm sure they're going to play Alabama somehow. So the angle will be well, Bo Nix has beat Alabama before, and maybe he'll do it again a second time. So I'm looking forward for that angle. Um, 
but not happy about that. And the second thing I want to talk about is, is uh, Antonio Pierce for a second. I hate the NFL. The NFL trashes college football, and it, uh, they show them no respect at all. Herm Edwards is on ESPN now. They just list former player, former head coach, Kansas City Chiefs for his bio. No mention of wrecking Arizona State. Antonio Pierce is the Las Vegas Raiders uh, savior they're making him out to be, that the players love him, and it's a new attitude, and everything's good. And I'm sure it is, because all the crap he did at Arizona State, which landed a lot of violations, is legal in the NFL. And all the talking heads in the media just are in love with this guy, and no one has mentioned all the bullshit he did at Arizona State, which set that program back five years. And uh, I, it, it's, it makes me sick. So fuck the Raiders. Go to hell, Antonio Pierce. Herm, you're a joke, and you're all losers in my book. And uh, you're getting hats off to silent claps from the rest of the Take the Points hosts. Nobody is talking about that. And Arizona State, three and seven this year. Who gives a shit? They played last week, right? And their starting quarterback gets hurt. Their second and third quarterbacks are out for the year. Their fourth-string quarterback comes in ineffective, so they take their running back, that uh, Scadaboo dude, put him at quarterback, and they beat UCLA 17-7 to on the road with a running back playing quarterback. He also he ran the ball, he threw the ball, he caught a pass, and he punted in the game. I mean, they have no talent on that team, and at least they try. They gave Washington everything they had, and good for Arizona State, and I hope Kenny works out because he's local from the area and actually cares. And uh, even if Oregon wins this game by 50, I don't care. So uh, that's my rant on those two subjects. Shout out, shout out to the state of Arizona looking you know, mm-hmm. strong, putting in great effort, trying their best, and telling Daylight Savings Time to go fuck itself. So it's been a banner month or couple of months. And good job ASU getting refiring your AD as well. He was the yes. last. He was the last piece of. He was the last tumor that needed to be removed from that that whole program. So, good for ASU. It's time to rebuild. Very true. Okay, let's go to the late night uh, schedule, which has been fantastic this week, and there's so much action. Um, I'm gonna like go crazy and have like eight bets here in these last games uh, on Saturday. So strap in. Okay. We'll start in the state of Kansas, Kansas state at Kansas, Kansas state minus seven and a half total 56 and a half. Let me, let me tell you exactly what's going to happen here. Kansas state's going to destroy Kansas. They're actually pretty good. They can score a ton of points. I think Leopold's checked out. Um, I don't want to be a hater, but this is if you have a potential $70, $80 million contract floating around, his eyes are already wandering. They're playing with their backup quarterback beam, who's fun and good, but he's not as good as their original starter. Um, but what I really like in this game is the over, 56 and a half. Um, unless the weather is terrible, there's no reason why this shouldn't fly over. Last week, uh, Jason Beam got hurt for Kansas, and the backup came in. That's the only reason why they lost to Texas Tech. Texas Tech sucks. Um, but Kansas State's going to score a billion points on Kansas. And if Beam plays, this game's going to be in the 80s. So probably one of my favorite bets of the week. Anybody have anything to add to this one? No, nah, over is the right play. Okay, great. All right, we're going to the 7.30 time slot. I have a lot to talk about here. 
Where do we begin? Okay, Kentucky at South Carolina. Kentucky minus one and a half, total 54 and a half. Tom, what's your pick on this game? Kentucky, South Carolina. Can I pass? Yes, you can. Ryan. I'm going to pass. Oh, I hate this game so much. I think the play is actually South Carolina. I think Kentucky blows. I think Leary is trash. And Kentucky's already got their six wins. They got their bowl game. And they get Tennessee next week. I think South Carolina actually wins this game. And then they have, what, Clemson to end the year with a chance to get to a bowl. So I I kind of lean I lean South Carolina here. Well, guys, let me clue you in. Earlier this year, so one of my favorite things about uh, smartphone technology is the calendar, where you can put stuff on the calendar that will randomly pop up that you totally forgot about. Much like I put a calendar reminder in for 2047 to return the DVD of seven to Ryan. In <laughs> some time, it will, it will pop up in 20-some years, and I'm going to laugh about it because Apple will still exist. I got an alert that popped up on my phone two days ago, and it said, Bet South Carolina Max, hashtag Sandstorm. This is the game where Darude's coming oh. to perform Sandstorm. All right, I changed my pick. We, we forgot about this. Remember I mentioned this earlier? Yeah, we summertime? talked about this at the beginning of the year, and I didn't realize this was the game. Okay. You don't, get, game, you don't get a lot South of performances and atmospheres like this. <laughs> this is the best ever. Take them on the money line as a small underdog. Home game, you have, I mean, I'm not saying he's a great quarterback, but Spencer Rattler is a better quarterback than Leary. They're at home at night, and there's going to be a lot of performance of Sandstorm going down at the end of the third quarter. Wager this and also tune in for this performance. It's going to be all over social media Saturday, and nobody has remembered it except for yours truly. So favorite bet of the week, South Carolina money line. I hope they oh I hope they do like an interview with Da Rude, who I assume is like <laughs> Swedish or I don't even know his background, but he's, we're, we're going to find out. He's going to be like, I am honored to be in attendance at American football game. Very good. So I knew you guys would like that one. Um, okay, FIU at Arkansas. Arkansas minus 29 and a half. Is DJ Sammy at this one? Why is this on the list? Because this is the your opinion is wrong game of the week. Oh, gentlemen, Arkansas at home against FIU 29 and a half total 49 and a half. Ryan start us off. I got some Uh, good stuff for this one. I'm ready. So Sam Pittman is a moron and this is the game he gets tarmacked even though they're going to win the game, but they're not going to cover. So I'm going to take FIU plus the points and I'm also going to take an over. I think that it's going to be like 30 to 20 and they're going to be like, that's so embarrassing. You need to be fired. FIU and the over. Ryan, I'm sorry. Well, you just shot yourself in the foot because you started with the tarmac. Well, you're going to have to look across the sidelines from Arkansas to see one of your old candidates, Mike McIntyre, 
who will be coaching the FIU Panthers this week, who has been on the tarmac and was fired uh, recently. And you like the over. Well, that's just wrong. Arkansas was down 48-3 to last week after 30 quarters to Illinois. And uh, FIU scored six against Middle Tennessee State last week, uh, 16 against Jacksonville State. They scored six on Liberty. They only scored 14 on Maine in a win earlier this year. No chance. I'm sorry. All right, Tom. FAU, Arkansas, 27 or whatever points, total whatever, high 40s. Go right ahead. So as you were saying that, I hadn't thought about FIU all year, but I began frantically Googling because it rang some subconscious bells. I want you to take a look at what I was Googling. If You can see it. Who is FIU's coach? I couldn't remember, but I knew it was somebody bad. And that's why I think the easy pick is an extreme under and two bad coaches equals take the points, especially when it's this high. So to me, this seems like a sloppy, awful 21 to 12 game with a rare double tarmac after the game. Very good, Tom. Unfortunately, neither pick is correct. You cannot take small school FAU against an SEC school against a team trying or coach trying to save his job. And you want points in this game? Well, if you need points, you're going to need some points from the FIU passing game. But guess what, Tom? You're not going to get them. You know why? Because the wide receivers coach is Jay McIntyre, Mike's son. Oh, so no. So you're, you're, you're completely screwed. There will be no points, and you're losing both bets. So good luck, guys. Uh, this is a real winner. Dan, this is a game. Excellent. Your opinion is wrong. And when, oh my gosh, I'm having PTSD when you bring up the coach's son, or is it the coach's cousin? I don't know the relationship. Son, I assume. There's more. His other son is an analyst on the team. So there's a triple McIntyre effect. Three McIntyres are involved at FIU. Oh but, my um, God. Ryan, uh, nice job taking the uh, the uh, under there. Because if you said over, I was going to hit you with the double McIntyre. Be like, you fucked it all up. But um, so this he's the, anyway. He's the group of five. Brian Ferentz. Yes, exactly. Um, wow, those that that game's terrible. So yeah, tune into those two games on uh, Saturday night and pay no attention to the next game we're going to talk about, which is. Washington at Oregon State on at the same time. So Washington is an underdog for the first time all year. Oregon State is a two-and-a-half point favorite at home with a total of 63-and-a-half. Let me set the scene and table, and I'll let you guys pick the game first. Oregon State controls its own destiny. They beat Washington this week. They beat Oregon next week during the Pac-12 title game. Washington, of course, controls their own destiny. They can win or lose this game and most likely end up in the Pac-12 title game. The only way they don't is if uh, Oregon State runs the table. Oregon State, um, physical team, plays a lot of defense, and uh, people really like them this year. They're ranked all the way uh, 10th or 11th, depending on what poll you're looking at. Washington is in the middle of a murderer's row schedule. They took care of Oregon. They took care of USC and it took care of Utah. Um, they've had some games in the middle that weren't pretty, but they found a way to win. Um, they're running back. 
Dylan Johnson has really come on as of late. Over the past two weeks, Washington has ran the ball a total of 57% of the time, throwing it only 43% of the time. I think that's a, a, a there's three reasons for that. One, take some pressure off of Penix. Two, keep your defense on the sideline. Uh, wrestling and three control the game clock a little bit more uh, earlier in the year they were getting abused on the play clock or sorry in the game clock because they were scoring too fast um, so nice job by the coaches there um, and Washington Oregon State uh, eight and two on the year they got two losses they lost at Washington State earlier this year where they gave up like 400 yards passing to Cam Ward and Washington State was blowing them out early and allowed Oregon State to sneak in a backdoor. And they also played Arizona three weeks ago, and I watched that game in its entirety. Arizona controlled the the entire game, uh, was up 10 points late, allowed a last-second touchdown and won by three. At home, uh, Oregon State's been very good, but their competition at home has not been. They played UC Davis, San Diego State, which, by the way, adios Brady Cook, Brady Hoke, correction, uh, they beat Utah, who was uh, their first game with the new quarterback. Or no, th- this was the last game where they, they they started Nate Johnson before they made the switch. Uh, and they played UCLA at home and Stanford at home. So not exactly a murderer's row at home. There is an illusion that uh, Oregon State is n- uh, known to beat top five teams at home. Over the past 21 games where they have played a top five team at home, Oregon State is 2-19 straight up with two wins coming over USC during the Pete Carroll years. They have not beat a top five team at home since 2007. There's the setup for you in this game. Everybody and their mother is taking Oregon State to win this game. The line has moved from Washington minus 2.5 to Oregon State minus 2.5. That's a five-point swing in the past 72 hours. I'll pick the my pick first because you already know what it is, and we'll talk. You guys can talk. I'm never going to not bet Washington in this spot. I saw what Cam Ward did to this team, and I think Penix does the same thing. Jalen McMillan's going to have a role in this game for the first time in seven weeks. If he plays, if Jalen McMillan catches more than 50 yards, Washington wins this game by double digits. And if he plays in this game and catches more than 50 yards, Washington's going to the playoff. Uh, for sure. And I will bet my mortgage on them over Oregon in two weeks. Um, I think Oregon State, I think people like them. It's kind of like an illusion. Like uh, people like their head coach, Jonathan Smith, for good reason. Um, But keep in mind who their quarterback is. It's still DJ. And I've seen him struggle in a couple spots this year. And he might be a guy who's good against bad teams, but just when the lights are bright, he makes mistakes. So give me Penix, give me the two and a half, give me the over go Huskies. Ryan. The key Dan that you mentioned is actually not McMillan. It's not Polk. It's not Rome. It's not Penix. It's Dylan Johnson. Dylan Johnson is the key to this game. The way that he has expanded their offense, um, made it so much more variety, so much more unpredictable. Not to mention, he's actually a really good uh, pass catcher too. Like he can make guys miss in space on top of that too. And, and he can plow over defensive backs as well. So I think unlocking him was the key to, to really unlocking the season for them. And 
through this murderer's row schedule. And um, I think this he's the key to this game. So I like Washington in this game, and I like uh, I like Dylan Johnson to have a really good game too. See, go ahead. Yeah, so you, you know I'm not going to pick against Washington, of course, but I echo exactly what both of you and what Ryan just said. They've looked better earlier in the year, and the Oregon win was impressive, probably their most quote-unquote impressive win. But the last two weeks especially, seeing the run game come alive, seeing Johnson emerge, seeing the way they held off USC and it wasn't really a back and forth. Like they actually held them off in the last 10 minutes and won that game by 10 points. And then seeing the way they beat Utah, who is always such a tough team. And that's the game you go into and you're like, ah, Utah is going to blow the pac 12 leaders chances again. And through the run game and through some tough physical play, they won by seven, but they made a couple of critical mistake mistakes. Obviously the dropped, um, what should have been a touchdown that he just threw down at the one stupid mistake. But if you factor in all that, like they actually sort of handily beat a really good Utah team, a pretty good USC team with Caleb Williams. You know, they won the big game against Oregon. Now that they have this run game, they've gone in my mind from a team we all wanted to make the playoffs. Um, But it was, it was more like a cool story and like, I think they might do it to now they look like a legit playoff team and even contender with this run game. And now you're watching, you're like, oh yeah, this is a playoff team to me. So they could lose one of these games in the last few weeks, but to me, they're one of the best four teams in the country and I'm going to be riding with them the rest of the way. Really excited to watch that game on Saturday. Can't wait. Um, Okay. Two more games I want to talk about. Texas at Iowa State, Texas minus seven and a half, total 46 and a half. Fucking Vegas. They know this is going to be some shady shit. If there was a game Texas is going to blow, this is it. Ames, night game. Iowa State is somehow five and two in conference. They win this game, they have the tiebreaker over Texas to go to the Big 12 title game, which is nuts. Big 12 has this weird. Um, head-to-head uh, tiebreaker scenario, but Iowa State somehow controls their own destiny, which is totally insane to me. This line should be like 12 and a half, but it's seven and a half, and this total should be 53 and a half, but it's 46 and a half. They know that this is going to be a sloppy, low-scoring game. Um, I don't know if, if, if I got the balls to pull the trigger on Iowa State plus seven and a half, but uh, I wouldn't lay it with Texas in the spot. Ryan, thoughts? Yeah, you nailed it. This is I cannot believe this over under is under 50. I cannot believe that. I was so ready to go under 52 and and be so confident. Freaking Vegas. They nailed it. This is this is the slop fest game of the week. Um also could also very well be a your opinion is wrong type of game. This is yeah, it is. This, this is just disaster written all over it. Stay away. Z thoughts on this one and the Longhorns. Not thoughts on this game, but in general, there's what eight teams left that have a really actual legit spot at a playoff appearance. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's really yes. it's down to about eight teams, and so the yep. question I start asking at this point of the season is. 
who's not, everybody asks like, Oh, if they all win out, you know, who should make it. But to me, it's like, somebody's going to lose. And regardless of what the matchups say and who should win out and who's better and whatever, there is always a team that loses around this time. And so one thing I look at is like, who has been in too many close situations and feels like they're going to slip up in Texas and Florida state seem like teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. And so, you know, therefore I could see Texas losing this. I don't know who they've got the next couple of weeks, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if they drop a second game at some place and, and don't actually make the playoff and, you know, sort of play themselves out. So I'm going to go with you guys under and probably um, Iowa state in this. Okay. Last game of the night. Is it Hawaii? No, it's Syracuse at Georgia tech. Didn't see this one coming Two five and five squads, Georgia tech, four and three in conference, Syracuse one and five. Georgia Tech minus six and a half, total 53 and a half. My vision might not be correct that there's this game is a seven point higher over under than the Texas Iowa State game. Ryan, say what's on all of our minds. It's the under. The uh, only play in this game is the under. Uh, this is also the bowl, bowl eligible game. The winner of this game is bowl eligible Georgia tech plays Georgia next week. So if they want to win, get to a bowl game, this is their only shot. This is the game. Who does Syracuse play next week? Do we know? I think they have Wake. they have a game. Uh, Wake comes to the dome. Yes. It's home against wake forest. So with Georgia tech. Yeah. So Syracuse can afford to lose. Yeah, because Wake's going to get murdered by Notre Dame, and then they're going to have to go up to the Dome two days after Thanksgiving. Yeah, this is that's the play. That's This time of year, this is the stuff you look at for edges. That's the play. Georgia Tech needs this game more to get bowl eligible. Syracuse still has a chance next week to get bowl eligible. So I think I'm, not, I, I think I'm not quite with you guys on this one. First off, you've got two teams that allegedly on paper are about the same, but Cuse is just falling apart at the seams. Whereas Georgia Tech, I mean, look how horrible they were last year. This is actually a team on the upswing and they've played some um, decent games. They played well against North Carolina and got that win, but they've played good against some other teams even when they've lost. So I like the way this Georgia Tech team is headed. I think they win this game. And um, their defense isn't quite great. So they've been winning in shootouts. And I, I could see this game being like a, you know, 34 to 32 type high scoring game, especially down there in Atlanta. Nice weather. Question. If Georgia Tech wins this game, does Dino get fired on the tarmac in Atlanta, the worst airport in the country? I think Not first yet. off, let me, let me clarify. I just said 34, 32, which wouldn't be a cover. I'm thinking more like 37, 28 Georgia tech. Um, still about the same total. Yes, I think so. But as we talked about Syracuse basketball, who had just had an amazing comeback against Colgate and really showed their tenacity. They're about to play number nine, Tennessee. And as you said, if they win that game or if they beat LSU the following week, then people are going to start with the Q's basketball is back and, you know, making a change to Autry worked out and they're going to start thinking about other changes that their other sports programs can make. So I don't think Dino's going to get 
fired on the tarmac, but I think there's a good chance this might be his last game. The anti-UCLA conversation we had earlier, the team hates Dino so much that if they fire him after this loss, they all rally together and they, they beat Wake, you know, to get bowl eligible. That might be the, the little, Mm -hmm. the little extra edge they need to get bowl eligible is they fire Dino and, you know, rally around the assistant. I I think Um, it might take a couple days. I just don't think he gets fired like on Sunday, but maybe, you know, a Wednesday news dump right before Thanksgiving. I was looking at some um, projections for who's going to play in the uh, postseason bowls and they have Syracuse playing Troy on like December 21st or something like that. No, somewhere out West. And the spread is Troy minus 12 and a half. I was like, whoa. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. No respect. Uh, That that was pretty wild. I think that's completely accurate. I mean, if SU can even make a bowl. We'll find out. 53 and a half is too high. No one scored in this game. Syracuse, they're they're not throwing the ball after last week. The clock's going to run and run and run and run. Georgia Tech. Haynes King, what the fuck's he going to do? No one's scoring. Haynes King, Haynes King's been decent this year. 37-28. tonight. It'll be cold in Atlanta this weekend. He's in trouble. Okay, that's all the games I want to talk about. Are there any that you guys need to address before we wrap up? Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've got two, and they both factor in, you know, the same way. It's the ultimate look ahead. So Ohio State – 27 and a half point favorite against Minnesota and uh, Michigan goes on the road to Maryland where it's 18 and a half currently. Now this to me is the tale of two cities. You would think both teams are going to be looking ahead to next week, but I think only one of the teams will be looking ahead to next week. And that's Ohio state. Who's, uh, you know, done the quote unquote right things this season and, uh, has a big line against, of course, a bad opponent, but, I just don't see them wanting to go and blow out Minnesota to prove anything. They're already controlling their own destiny. They're already a top four team. There's nothing to prove here. They'll get out of there with a 24 point win and they'll be happy with it. Michigan though, the asshole team, America's team, according to to Jim Harbaugh, um, they've got something to prove. They think they were wronged, which is laughable. They think they've been through adversity and that it's everyone against them, which is true but only because they cheated. And so they're going to come out and try to destroy everyone they play the rest of the year. And the thing is, Maryland is not good. I mean, they won early in the season and they've just fallen off the last uh, four to six weeks. I don't really know what's changed, except maybe that the competition's gotten better. But this to me, this to me feels like 51 to 10, like absolute domination. I think this line's way too low. I think Michigan is my favorite lock of the week this week. Right. Anything to add? Uh, one game. I have one that I like. I like the under in Oklahoma State, Houston. Those teams can't score. Those offenses suck. It's 60 and a half. There's no way those teams are getting this, getting over 60. So, And then to get the whole Gundy-Dana thing mentor mentee thing. So I like the under in that game. That's it. 
I want to bring up one other game. I don't have a pick, but I feel like this should be on the radar, or at least in somebody's, you know, four viewing screens. If uh, YouTube TV is so kind as to allow it. James Madison trying to go for an undefeated season minus nine at home against app state, the giant killer. I feel like this is a really uh, good one to watch for two group of five teams late in the season. Very compelling. Yes. And also shout out to the UNLV air force game, a battle of eight and two teams. No one's talking about it. Eight and two air force, eight and two UNLV underrated. UNLV has been good. UNLV and New Mexico State would be two of my favorite teams to uh, bet on in bowl season. A lot of motivation and great coaching in UNLV. And uh, love the quarterback for for, uh, uh, New Mexico State, uh, Pavia. That dude is so fun. And um, I don't know if he's available to transfer, but if he transfers anywhere Power 5 next year, he'll be my new favorite uh, squad. So anyway, I want to put that out there. That New Mexico State, I I wasn't going to offer a pick or – talk about this game, but, um, they go to Auburn and it's a 24 point line and Auburn's been Give me the a, points. They've been a weird team this year. I mean, they've looked real good at times and they've looked awful at times. I'd be tempted to take those points. Now that you mentioned that it can't hurt. Can't hurt. I really like New Mexico state. Okay. Uh, one random question I know, and then I'm done. Um, is Minnesota going to fire PJ Fleck or does he just have like some bullshit lifetime contract, Tom? I don't see it happening this year. If he's as bad next year as he is this year, then probably I don't think he gets the lifetime contract, but I think Minnesota kind of knows what they are. And so you get a little bit of a longer leash in a place like that. The big 10 West. I mean, come on, like they know, they know what it is. And so I feel like he'll be screwed next year. I think he'll be back next year. Yeah. I think next year is going to change a lot but I don't think people will change their mindset in anticipation. I think it's going to take like the cold, hard light of day when he's got to lose to Oregon and Washington and USC and also Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan. So very good. Yeah. I think he, I think he's back for next year, but if he doesn't get something going, then that might be it. School's too, school's too cheap to buy him out. Yeah, too. I'd have to look it's up the con- yeah. I'd have to look up the contract details as well, but no, I mean, I don't think so. Speaking of coaches, if Iowa State does beat Texas and they get to the Big Twelve championship game, Matt Campbell might get a second shot at a big job. And hey, Matt, take it take this it. time. Go, go to UCLA. Fuck around in California and get fired. Who cares? Just yeah. Do it. Yeah, I mean, so there's some motivation for you now that I think about it. I might like them outright. Very good. I don't have anything else to add this week. Uh, it's it's a pretty good week. I'm excited, especially especially for the South Carolina uh, performance of Sandstorm. That's the that's gonna be the highlight of the week. That's the highlight for me. Uh, let me just uh, check in with you guys for two minutes to end the show. Um, as I said, we got eight teams that have a realistic chance at the playoff. Georgia, Alabama, Washington, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Texas. That's pretty much it, right? I mean, do you see anyone else? No, it's exactly okay. eight. There's only eight. So, so those are the eight. And um, oh, by the way, sorry, an aside. We missed one of my favorite bets. Speaking of the frauds, 
Missouri coming off their hot win against Tennessee is now favored by 11 against Florida. All time choke job coming up folks. Florida is going to win this game. I love it. And I can't wait. Is that game in Florida or Missouri? No, it's in Missouri. Unfortunately, if it was in the swamp, it would be automatic lock. The line is way too high. It's more than 10 points. That's correct. So at least take the points with Florida and Graham Mertz. I'm not fooled by Missouri. I will not be fooled at all. They are not in my, they are not in my, it's not nine teams with a potential to make the playoff. It's eight. So anyway, like, um, I I mean, who do you think has the best shot or like, who are the couple of teams that you think have don't belong in that group? Or is it really truly a toss up? Well, I think either Washington or Oregon is one team getting in. I think Michigan or Ohio State get in, so that's two. Florida State has to win out, which they should because they don't play anybody. That's three. And then it gets weird. If Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game, they'll put Georgia or, or, or sorry Alabama in the national title game. And even if Texas runs the table with one loss, them and Georgia would be out in that scenario. Um, now, if Texas wins their conference – Obviously, you know what the argument's going to be is that they won head to head against Alabama. Of course, but it doesn't matter. I don't see any scenario where the SEC championship doesn't make no. the playoff based on the last fifteen years. Washington undefeated, just you know, say Florida State undefeated, Michigan undefeated, and then there's one spot left. And if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game, Bama's getting in, and Texas is sitting at home. There's some scenarios where Georgia, where Alabama, um, where Alabama beats Georgia, and the committee's got to decide between a one-loss Texas and a one uh, a one-loss Texas Big Twelve champ and a one-loss Georgia team who just lost in the SEC title game to Alabama, and you know they're going to pick Georgia, and Texas will go insane and ballistic, and yeah. like, we won our conference and we beat Alabama. It's like. Too bad. Uh, Georgia won the last two national titles. We're putting him in there with one loss as the four seed. Go fuck yourself. So we've talked about it before. I don't think that the top four teams are as good as they've been in past years, or at least the top say two or three, whoever wins the title this year, I don't think will be as good as the last couple Georgia teams or a lot of teams in the last 10 years, but the next four are going to be the best five through eight. I think we've ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like gonna we're going to get a wild. weird, we're going to get like a peach bowl. That's like a one loss, Ohio state versus a one loss, Georgia, or, you know, a two loss mm-hmm. Alabama that has really come on strong or a really good Oregon team or a conference championship, Texas. I mean, we're going to get some really two really good new year six games. If Oregon beats Washington in the PAC 12 title game. And if Georgia beats Alabama in the sec title game, then Washington will play Alabama in the Fiesta Bowl this year, by the way. Just put that out there. The That's six, the succession bowl. So good if we get Washington, Alabama here in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't know if Washington's like if Penix and, and Rome are gonna play, uh, but they should. But uh I don't know. It would be so sick to see that game in person as a consolation prize if they both to make the playoffs. Even though I think they're the best two teams. Somebody really deserving is going to get left out. I guess that's my point. And more than one really deserving team. Yeah. I'm happy they're gone. 
anyway, we'll find out. And uh, hopefully Washington wins this week to keep it up. And I'd actually be totally okay with Iowa State winning this week and you just cross the Big 12 off. Be like, okay, those guys are garbage. Let's move on. All right, folks, let's end it there. We've had a good week. The Man, I love college football. The season's still heating up, even though it's almost over. It's still mm-hmm. like the drama's yet to unfold. So good. And wow. NFL sucks worse than ever. So go college. It's so terrible. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I don't, we may not be back next week. That's TBD, but we'll definitely be back after Thanksgiving with more shows. So good night. Happy Thanksgiving.